0: Welcome back to Am I Qualified to Do This, a podcast for anyone who has ever asked themselves the question, am I qualified to do this? I'm your host, Catherine Kelly, studier of imposter syndrome and constant asker of the question, am I qualified to do this, including right now as I record and edit this podcast. I'm not going to lie, I was close to not having an episode this week. The tension in this country was just weighing heavy on me, and my anxiety and imposter syndrome was making me feel like I honestly was not qualified to hold the conversations that I so desperately wanted to hold. But when listening back to the interviews, I realized that there was one guest whose episode could not wait any longer to be uh, be out in the public. This week's guest is super timely. With the looming election and racial unrest in this country, I couldn't help but go ahead and get this out, so welcome to the special Friday edition. Juani Torres is a proud oldest daughter of Mexican immigrants and a first-generation American. She was born and raised in the south side of San Antonio, Texas, and attended Stanford University on a full scholarship by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Juani worked at the White House as part of the Domestic Policy Council under President Obama before joining Google Inc., After her time in the Bay Area, Wani served as the Nevada Deputy Director for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign before returning back to San Antonio and focusing on increasing civic engagement in her home state of Texas. Wani served as the Deputy Campaign Manager on Ron Nierbergs and served in his office before helping her Stanford peer, Lena Hidalgo, run for Harris County judge in Houston, Texas. In 2019, Wani began pursuing her Master's in Public Affairs at the University of Texas's LBJ School. Most recently, Wani was selected as the Inaugural Public Policy Fellow for the WTS Heart of Texas chapter and Mayor Adler's office. In her role, she's focused on increasing equity and opportunity through transportation policy. But Wani is much more than her impressive resume. She is a community leader not only in San Antonio, but nationally, and is true an inspiration for those who seek to lend their voice to their community. I know you're wondering, why is an amazing activist like Wani on a podcast about imposter syndrome? Well, as I said before, no one can escape imposter syndrome. It's something everyone faces. Now let's dive into the interview. Wani, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to have you here with us. I've been slowly following you on social media and all the amazing things that you are doing and have done. And I honestly, I was like, where did I meet her? Movement, Movement Mujeres um, brought us together for a brief moment in San Antonio, correct?
1: That's right. Yes. here in San Antonio, my hometown. Yes.
0: I remember I was just like, who is this wonderful girl? I like her energy and I like must follow her on everything now. And now I do.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it too. So. Um, well, could
0: you, since I know a little bit about you, but I'm sure our guests don't, our listeners don't quite know who you are. Could you give us a little background as to who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are and anything else amazing that you do?
1: (laughs) Of course. Um, so FYI, audience, I'm sitting outside, so you may hear a couple noises, um, but I'm born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, in the south side. I am a first-generation daughter of immigrants from Mexico, and that is very key and core to who I am as a whole and what I do and the why behind everything I do. Currently, I am a second-year master's student at the LBJ School public affairs at UT Austin and I am also working uh, a couple jobs one I am a uh, digital organizing director for She Se Puede which is a new organization launched by Eva Longoria and America Ferrera along with other amazing women other amazing Latinas um, focused on increasing civic engagement for Latinas empowerment through like actually can I can I give that intro again yeah go right ahead Sorry, pause. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I feel like I need to give the pitch right in case they listen to it. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry. Do you want me to say the whole thing? Wherever you want to start. How, did, how does it help you cut it? Okay. Um, all right. Yes, so happy to be with you all. My name is Juani Torres. I am a first generation daughter of immigrants, born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Super excited to be with you. Um, a little bit about my background I am the oldest of three, and I am currently a second year master's student at UT Austin's LBJ School of Public Affairs. I'm also working a couple of different gigs right now. One, I am the policy fellow at Mayor Adler's office in Austin, Texas. Though everything is through Zoom, I still get to be in San Antonio and work virtually. Very grateful for that. Um, and also, I'm the digital organizing director for She Se Puede, which is a new lifestyle platform that is meant to empower and help Latinas know their power and move and push their power through various ways, especially civic engagement. Um, it's a really exciting opportunity. It was started by Eva Longoria and America Ferrera and a couple other amazing women, uh, Latinas, who have been dedicated to helping our community grow.
0: That's awesome. Like As you can see, she's amazing. Um, so I'm super excited to have her here. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you started your journey in being community leader, in a community um, advocate, and a- um, activist in all these different platforms.
1: Yeah. So you know, I think one, my family is working class, and as a daughter of immigrants, it was very early on in my life when I realized the inequities in how we were treated in the United States and how we moved um, through systems compared to my peers. And I realized that it was going to be very important for me to really harness all the the sacrifices that my parents have made to have us in this country and to be growing and and pursuing opportunities in this country for the betterment of families like mine. And so with that in mind, a lot of my work has been dedicated to centering and uplifting working class families like my own, like my neighbors, like the majority of my city. You know, San Antonio is very... Uh, Latino, which 68% Hispanic, um, but also heavily working class, which means that when policies are made, when elected officials are pushing for things, if they're not centering working class families, then they're not centering the majority of the city. And so um, all of this led me to create a consciousness that I wanted to do more for people like my parents, people like my neighbors, like my peers in school, um, like the majority of my city, and that has led me to pursue different opportunities through civic engagement, especially campaigns um, and opportunities like She Se Puede, which are meant to continue to uplift Latinas.
0: That's awesome, and I mean, I'm, I personally am finding my role in this, in this world as an, as a community leader, like what role I play into this. I know everyone has different roles. How did you come up, kind of find this very active, forward-facing role? And like, what kind of, what was your process of understanding what parts you need to play in this?
1: Yeah, well, I will say I am not knowing much about activism or community organizing, I really just started by wanting to get involved. I worked myself uh, up, I guess, through this system. And it was really through volunteering. I, When I was 17 years old, I volunteered for President Obama's campaign in 2008. And I wanted to do everything I could to help elect this charismatic leader who I had met through a rally in the west side of San Antonio, um, get elected into the highest office. I found that it was going to be historic and I really was... I gravitated toward his vision for the future of our country. And it was through my volunteer service in his campaign that I understood how campaigns worked and how important it was to have grassroots organizers and grassroots community leaders help support a common vision for families and for cities and for states and for our country to move forward. And so it was really through, you know, from the bottom up, working my way and understanding how campaigns worked. I then, um, you know, went to college and, and college, I I ran my own campaign for student body uh, government at Stanford. And I was able to kind of take the campaign experience I learned as a high schooler and apply it to running for office um, at a university. And after I won that, I was like, oh, cool. Like, it really is about collective power and, and people power, and being able to share a, a vision for whatever it is you're working toward that resonates and uplifts people and is larger than you. And so that really got me into um, this, this career of helping others through campaigns and through organizing. Um, and you know now that I've graduated, of course, and that I'm working in different roles, it continues to be about people and how we're uplifting people's voices especially the people that have been left in the sidelines for the majority of this country's history.
0: I i am trying to find the words because you like summed up how people like the journey is so different for so many different people but like at the basis of everyone's journey in this process it comes back to how am I helping my people yeah. Um and I think that's so important for everyone to remember because a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't know if I can make a difference. And it's like, no, your voice does make a difference regardless of what role it does play in the system. <laughs> um, I
1: will, yeah, I will say too, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't know what campaigns were or what, you know, community organizing was, but that's not because I didn't see it. I just didn't know the language. My, my mom, um, you know, I remember her be, when I was in elementary school, organizing parents, to help save bilingual education at my school. like That is community organizing. She was a community leader, but I didn't know those terms existed. I didn't know those roles were out there. I just saw it as something you do. It was a sense of duty and responsibility to change systems in a way that helped the most marginalized in this situation, Spanish speakers in a city that was majority Hispanic, but not Um, understanding that Spanish was key to so many of our experiences. And so, again, even though I didn't have, like, terms, I witnessed my mom doing it. Um, And it wasn't until I actually got hired as a full-time organizer for the Hillary campaign in 2015 that I was like, Mom, what I'm doing and getting paid to do is what you did for me and my siblings and and the other Spanish-speaking kids at our school um, as a labor of love, right, and as a labor of of wanting to make things right and make things better for her kids. So it's, I think we all have a role to play. We might not always know what that role is because we don't know the language or the terms to to categorize it. But I think when you're moving out of a place of love and rooted in a vision bigger than you, you're doing the right thing.
0: I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. And kind of picking back up on this whole, you knew what activism was, but you didn't have the language around it let's talk about the word activist (laughs) i I mean it's such a loaded word it means so many different things to so many different people but the root of it is so not complex in a lot of ways (laughs) could you tell us a little bit about your perception around it
1: yeah so the word activist you know to me it's meant it's kind of changed its definition (laughs) depending on where i'm at in life right now i feel like activist and activism Is often used by news outlets and folks in positions of power to belittle or patronize community members who are pushing for change. It's used as if activism doesn't have a role in whatever established politics people have. Um, And it's outsiders, agitators trying to shift things and wasting their time doing it. And so I, I, you know, I have a conflicted view currently because I've seen how in San Antonio um, the word activist has been used to label a lot of my friends and peers who are working toward things like Black Lives Matter and defunding the police and different other policy issues that are very important to the livelihood of black and brown San Antonians, but being um, portrayed as if they're outsiders. When in reality, you know, they're community members that are pushing for the right thing, which is the livelihood and safety of the majority of San Antonio. Um, And then I compare that to how some neighbors who are in more affluent areas or who are often white Americans are portrayed in the media as taxpayers Mm -hmm. and how they're given their voice some sort of Um, substantive difference or like a a baseline of power by calling them taxpayers as if they're worth more than activists. When in reality, both are pushing an agenda and their agenda reflects their values. So I think, you know, the word activist, it has a different meaning um, to different people, but I think it's a very important way for us to label um, or to be labeled And we need to be very critical when we read it or when we use it to make sure that we're not othering folks that are actually pushing for things we might actually believe into. Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that's so important to remember, because our job as taxpayers and the people is to hold those we elect accountable. (laughs) That's that's literally our job, which is what we typically think of as an activist. But Mm -hmm. indeed, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as taxpayers is holding those who are making rules for you accountable.
1: That is exactly right. And what, it's why it's so um, important for us to call it out when we see it and for us to be intentional about the, the use of the word activist versus the use of the word taxpayer. Because to your point, I often see that word being used, again, as a as a way to describe agitators outside of a system when, just like you said, our role as residents of a city, of a state, of our country is to hold those in power accountable to us, to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is done as residents, which are often taxpayers. We all pay taxes, no matter the color of our skin, believe me, and no matter our immigration status, which mm-hmm. I think it's also very important for me to note because as a daughter of immigrants and as someone that has worked on immigration for a long time, immigrants are often also devalued as if they're um, omitting or evading systems like the IRS, which is, could not be more false. You know, um, immigrants are so important to the backbone, the backbone of this country and immigrants like other taxpayers um, pay taxes in this country by simply living in it.
0: That's, that's so true. Um, switching to a little bit of a different route, you've been in some major campaigns since you started off and figuring out how to get into this organizing world in 2008. Um, how do you kind of battle the self-doubt that can come with being in these major s- situations, definitely as a young female in these roles, which typically a lot of times don't look like us and don't act like us or have our experiences
1: definitely so um as i mentioned you know i started as a volunteer 17 year old could not even vote on the obama campaign and then in undergrad of course i ran my own campaign i was also still an obama fellow um his 2012 campaign and then i graduated worked in tech for a minute and then i left to join the hillary campaign and it was at the hillary campaign where i first met other women and other women of color in leadership positions. And that is something that was very key to my own sense of worth and sense of understanding, sense of leadership, because, yeah, often it is not women of color who are the campaign managers or who are the field directors or the data director. Um, so it was really amazing to be in a campaign, which was Hillary, Hillary Clinton's uh, 2016 presidential one, and see that there were other women leading um as their full selves, and that they were empowering me as a field organizer to also lead as my full my full self. So um, I think that was very important in my fighting of self-doubt and finding my place in leadership positions. And, you know, after the Hillary campaign, I came back to San Antonio and I was hired to be the deputy campaign manager for the underdog candidate for mayor. And of course I was full of doubt and, and wondering if I was, you know, the one the right fit to be leading such an important race. But it was it was because I had seen other women do it and other women of color do it that I knew that I could do it too. So I think it, it just goes to the importance of um of lifting up People when you're in those positions and making sure that if you have a seat at the table, you're pulling in other people, too, because I will say that it was thanks to, again, that leadership in the Hillary campaign that I was able to find my footing and find my, my voice in, in editorial politics. And I, I
0: couldn't agree more with that because I'm, I'm in this position in my life where I'm realizing that I can't be what I can't see. Um, and I will doubt myself if I don't see women that have come before me in those roles um, but I'm very lucky in my, my new job that I have a plethora of wonderful Black women that I can look up to in senior leadership roles, and they come in with them, their full selves and people love them because they come in with their full selves. But I realized that before then, I didn't have that and how much it made me doubt bringing my own full quirky self to the table, because I'm like, what if it doesn't fit the mold that they want? And now I'm like, fuck the mold. <laughs> they <laughs> hired me. <to> the <laughs> <out of it. laughs>
1: yeah, That's exactly right. And also I think, you know, it's important for the people running these campaigns or running for office to be intentional about hiring black and brown women in positions of power, because, you know, like you said, if you don't see it, you can't be it. Well, people, are, are not there by happenstance. People make choices. And if Hillary Clinton or, you know, if Ron Nirenberg, who's, who hired me as his deputy campaign manager, had not been intentional about saying, hey, this brown girl can do it. Like, she can do it. She knows her stuff. She is worthy and valuable. And I need her on my team in this leadership position. You know, they have that choice to make. And so I think it's very important in whatever capacity, whether it's campaigns or like you said, in your role, in your in your new job, People in positions of power need to be intentional about hiring and and raising um, dif- a diversity of candidates in positions where they can then be the example to younger women like you and me.
0: That's so true. Sorry, you're making my, my wills and my brain turn because I'm just like, oh, this is so good. and like, I can take this back to my own life. So I hope our listeners are taking notes. She's giving some wisdom out here. Um, <laughs> kind of on that same note though. So. For those who are learning to the power of their voice, because um, one thing I adore about you is that you know the power of your voice and you use your platform and your voice very well. Um, for those who are learning the power, what advice do you have for them to really grow confident in their own voice, in their own words, in their own experiences?
1: I will say, you know, I was talking to a friend earlier today about my experience at Stanford University. and. You know, how that leap from the south side of San Antonio to Stanford, a very affluent and a very um, white institution, how that leap was very difficult on me and, and how it actually pushed me to grow out of my comfort zone and learn the power of my truth and the power of my lived experience. And I would say for people that are trying to figure out, am I worth this opportunity? Am I worth speaking up? Like, what what do I have to contribute? Understanding that every single one of us has faced life circumstances that nobody else has. Now, of course that there's similar situations and like, you know, there's many working class families, there's many immigrants, undocumented immigrants, there's many women of color, but every single individual has faced a certain set of factors or a certain um, life circumstances that have framed them to be who they are, who ha- that have given them the context to be who they are right now. And so drawing from your truth and drawing from your lived experience is actually very powerful because even if you might think that others face situations similar to yours, nobody has faced the same exact situation you have. And so there is power in that nuance and there is power in that, in the difference. And I think it's just, it's key that we remember how by sharing our reality and sharing our background and our history, we can sometimes give other people the strength to share theirs. And the more and more people, especially marginalized people, people of color, people who are not on our history books, right, um, the more we can be confident in our truth and share our truth, I think the more that we can help change the narrative for others and hopefully strengthen each other to be to be their best selves and their full selves. I remember I watched this video by AOC who I really admire um, a couple weeks ago and she was saying something about how people look at her and they're like wow you're so courageous like you are you're so brave and you know how did you do it when you did this and this and this and she's always like it always makes her pause and Think about how in those moments she did not feel courageous or she did not feel brave. She felt fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really a, such a good moment um, for me to self-reflect on because I think that's so true. You know, people can from the outside end look and be like, wow, you're so confident mm-hmm. or you're so strong. But in that moment, like one might not feel those those characteristics. One might just feel that what they're doing is right or what they're doing is true. And It might be full of fear, but if you do it and you push it out there, you never know how it's going to fall on other people and resonate in a way that can help them get their wings to also do it.
0: And I think that's really important to remember and kind of building off that point, the whole conversation around in that moment, it might be fearful for you, but you know, it's right. Can you talk about a little bit about your experience with that fear? And like, cause I think a lot of times we see imposter syndrome and, feeling as though you're inadequate is like this bad thing but sometimes it can be the push you need because it makes you question why do I feel this way is it because someone like me has not been there before then if that's the case we should probably change it
1: (laughs) yeah definitely I you know I feel like well fear fear comes from so many different things right like we all have different experiences different contexts we draw from and so my fear might not be something scary to someone else but for me, I feel like it is often when I haven't seen other people do something, or when I'm sharing a perspective that is outside of the norm or outside of what the popular belief is, that it can get scary because you don't want to be alone. I think human, just a human lived or shared experience is that we like to fit in in general, right? Like we, nobody wants to be the odd one out. Um, but so that that can create like fear or anxiety or or a sense of um, uh, like being too scared to speak up in case you are alone. And what I realized is that even if I am alone in the moments that I have, which is rare because it's usual that when you speak up and you share something that is true to you, other people also speak up and or, or come to you after and tell you, hey, I also felt that way. But if it ever has happened, I feel like I remember, like because it was so core it was such a core value or so true to me that I once it's out there it's out there you know and if it came out of truth and it came out of love and it came out of a place where I really was hoping to do good I never regret it so I think it's important to also know the why behind we do things and the values we um, we care about and we prioritize because when we do that we're able to live with whatever consequences of our actions it's not popular to go against the status quo, and it's not popular to go against the quote-unquote establishment, but if it stems from a reality that is bigger than you, I think often um, it's worth the push and it's worth the fear that you might face before speaking up.
0: That's It's making me think back to this quote Jolie, um, Robinson is, she's in Dallas and she has been the community relations director for the Dallas police department for a while. She actually is stepping away from her position and in the article that she spoke about it with, she mentioned this quote that her mom would say to her all the time. Mm -hmm. She would say, um, paraphrasing because I'm not going to get it right, um, is basically like, say the truth and do it kindly. If you do those two things, then you can do no wrong. And I'm like, who Like, that hit in a different way because it's true. As long as you're being true and true to yourself and true to what's actually going on and then saying it as kindly as possible, which sometimes is still going to be painful for people to hear, but you're saying it from a place of kindness by letting them know, then you really can't do any wrong, at least when it comes back to, like, how you feel afterwards. It's like a weight off your shoulder. Yes, you might get backlash from it. Yes, people might not like you because you said it, but... What what else are you supposed to say in that moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, and and being and on that, I agree. I mean, I love that um, knowing the why, like having purpose and intentionality behind what you do, is very important. Because you know, some people just speak out because they want to play devil's advocate, or they just want to be, you know, antagonistic, or they want to rock the boat and, and elicit some sort of response. If your why, again, is rooted in something bigger than you, whether the bigger than you is you and your mom, or you and your neighbor, you and your partner, you and whatever, it's often important, like, important for us to know the why for us to actually have, you know, the willingness to speak out. And if you're really rooted in the why, it helps you live with the consequences of speaking out. So yeah, I think it's, it's so important for us to self reflect and think through um, our truths and, and and the reason for us working and fighting for what we do. That's,
0: I couldn't agree more, honestly. I was gonna say something else and it floated out of my head because it wasn't as important as what you just said. <laughs> um, but honestly, do you have any tips for anybody who's trying to figure out their why? I know for some, the why comes naturally. It's always been there, you don't have to question it. For others, it might take a little longer for them to get there um, or even start the processes of trying to understand their why.
1: So I think it's important to, you know, know the story of self, which is something I learned with the Obama campaign. You know, I think um, because we weren't, we sometimes don't realize we're worthy of our, like, we're worthy of our value, of our story, of our narrative. We kind of see big things that have happened in our life as just like, oh, well, everybody goes through it. And that's not always true, you know. Um, there are deep inequ- inequities in this world, and not everybody has a tough life. Like some people are pretty okay, and so I think it's important to to know our own story. So what that means is really thinking and self reflecting on um, everything from how you grew up and the the life circumstances you grew up in to what makes you. What, what gives you drive, what makes you tick, what makes you go, what makes you push for another day or, or push at work when things get really tough. Maybe that is having enough food for your family um, or having a roof over your head or having an opportunity to accomplish a certain professional goal or a certain dream. Knowing, being able to distill your story and then also know your ambitions and your goals can help understand the why behind you do things. I think it's also important to just feel or or be aware of how our body feels when we go through certain situations, right? You know, my why is deeply rooted in the safety of my parents and the safety of my siblings and the safety of my family. Um, My why is very deeply rooted in Latinas like me having the same opportunities I've had. Um, And I know that that's my why because when things are unjust, I go off, right? Like it doesn't sit right with me. And so I speak up. So I know that that's important to my why. And I know that my body flares up and I know that my body like gets, you know, it has a, there's a reaction whenever things are unjust. So I think it's also important to one, like of course, self-reflect, think through your story, think through your own life experience, uh, think through your goals and your, and your dreams, but then also pay attention to how your body reacts to certain situations and how, when you feel safe and when you feel at your happiest and when you feel like there's more to be done. And knowing that and writing that out and understanding it can help you find your way.
0: I think that's amazing advice because I think so many of us don't take the time to truly reflect on our experiences and honestly listen to our bodies. (laughs) I think a lot of times people get those gut feelings, but they just brush them off as like, oh, it's whatever, it's fine. But like, no, those things mean something. (laughs) You should probably like take a moment and step back and realize what does that mean? (laughs) Um, So that's really great advice there. Um, I did want to give you a little bit of time to talk about your latest project, um, because it's awesome, um, and kind of give people an idea of how they can follow along A and get involved B.
1: Yeah, so follow along She Se Puede at she underscore se puede on Instagram and Twitter. Um, We will be launching our website very soon, and if you want to get updates now, you can go to shesepuede.org. Um, and to tell you more about it. So, you know, this is a platform by Latinas for Latinas, I think often to, you know, just what we we're talking about now, we don't recognize the importance of our background, our history, our struggles, our place in the world, I think because we, we don't see a lot of Latinas in positions of, of power, we don't see a lot of Latinas who are working class, um, out there fighting for what's right, wholeheartedly and and holistically you know I think AOC has done such a beautiful job of really bringing light to the plight of so many of us um but then it's just her right like there are so many women that go unnoticed um and so I think you know She Se puede is, is a new opportunity for us to to remember that no matter what we're doing whether that's raising you know a family or that's being The first one in our family to go to college or whether that's being an essential worker in the front lines, whether that's at the hospital or at HEB as a grocer, you know, we all have something to contribute to this world. We all have power to harness and push our community forward. We all have a place in our country's narrative. And Puede" is really about being strong in that foundation and helping uplift one another. So to learn more about it, go to shisapuede.org to sign up. Go to she underscore puede on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also follow us on Facebook at shisapuede.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I just, when it launched, I was like, what can she not do? Let, let's start with that. Like, what is she not a part of and like being amazing and everything? But it's also a much needed platform. And I wish we had more platforms like this to truly speak about the variety of truths that exist in a group, because I think so many times we see a marginalized group as a monolithic entity, and it's not true. We have so many different experiences, but there are some underlying themes be- between all those experiences, all of them need to be shared so we can truly have a platform that is representative of everyone's experience. Um, so, I'm, I'm super excited that it, it is launched and the website is coming soon. I know I will be following along and hoping that more groups like y'all have um, come about. So, final question Is there any advice you would give to our wonderful friends who are listening who are starting their journey, um, finding their power, advocating for their communities, any various level of this to get started and kind of overcome that first initial fear?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, no matter what you're going through, you have something to contribute. And everything is better when you have more than just yourself to push. And and I say that because I think sometimes, you know, in my life, when I have felt like I'm the only one, it's by sharing my truth that I realize other people share similar values or sh- similar experiences. And that helps grow my own strength, but also helps grow our collective strength. So I think it's important to find like your clique or your, or your people, your your group, um, your community to help you in those moments where you might feel like the world is just on your shoulders and you don't know if you can keep at it. Um, if you find other folks that have similar values and have similar backgrounds and in regards to their fight, I think it's so good to to bond and create community because it's just easier that way um, in many regards. It's usually more fun than fighting on your own, and it's also more power. I think there's more power the more people there are, and and again, it might be scary at first, but sometimes by sharing your truth, you realize other people share that truth, and then you can create a collective um, through that experience. So, I would say you know one, remember that you have something to contribute no matter what you're going through, and two. Uh, find, find your group, find your community, um, and, and you do that by sharing your truth.
0: That's so true. I mean, like, the best thing that I could have done was find my people. Um, they are my biggest supporters. They're also the ones that tell me to sit my ass down when I've been doing too much, (laughs) (laughs) in the kindest way. They're like, you need a rest or you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're also the ones when I doubt myself the most that I can turn to, to remember that I'm the badass that I don't see myself as sometimes. (laughs) um and it really keep you going um Mm -hmm. so definitely find your community
1: and they keep you accountable too right they keep you accountable to the values that you that you're fighting for but also to yourself to making sure you rest that you hydrate that you keep at it right that you have enough that you're taking time for self-care so you have enough energy to keep pushing um but also that you can strategize with and you can align your values with and, and push an agenda forward and Help other people by creating a bigger collective. Um, yeah, I think it's it's so important to find your people.
0: Well, thank you, Wani. This was absolutely amazing. You were fabulous as always, um, and I'm just so excited to have you as a guest. Wani reminds me so much of my motto for 2020. If not you, then who? So many times Wani was presented with amazing opportunities and jumped in with that mentality. It has helped you create campaigns and platforms that are not only for the community, but by the community and become the community leader that she is today. If Wani didn't inspire you, regardless of what this election holds, for us to step up and raise your voice on behalf of your community, I don't know what will. But until then, remember, if not you, then who?